Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, it's all returning friends. It's good chemistry. I mean, it's like fire. Vladimir Kamano. With the name Vladimir, few people expect a Dominican from the Bronx to take the stage. His comedic style is the fruit of an immigrant Dominican family living in the cultural mecca that is New York City and is described as an elegant combination of urban grit and intellect. He began polishing his wit in the concrete jungles of the Bronx and Washington Heights, and after graduating from Wesleyan University, launched into stand-up comedy. Vlad was named one of the top 10 comics to watch by Variety. He made his late-night stand-up debut on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and he was seen on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Marvel's Runaways, and NBC's Superstore. Yes, and we agree, Vlad is a comic to watch. Also welcome our friend, Holly Harper. Hey, Holly. Holly is a comedy nerd from South Jersey. She is the creator and co-exec producer of Hello Late with Holly Harper on Brick TV, where she was nominated as Best Actress for 2021 WebFest. She is also the creative consultant for the successful Black Women in Comedy Laugh Fest. And Holly works with Gold Comedy and Stand Up Girls, two programs that empower young women by teaching them stand-up comedy. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's important. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast. And Twitter is friendslikeusten. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip. Donation. Just go to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to those Patreon friends. It's because of you. We keep going. And now available for our golden friends, you have the opportunity to watch our recording live backstage. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Weekly on my YouTube channel, every Saturday, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, my wacky friend, Dave Juskow. We give updates to the show. We shout out fans who leave reviews and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by. And sometimes we even offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe. Wash those dirty little hands. Wear a mask still if you want to. Get vaccinated. Get the new booster. And Black Lives Matter. And welcome to Friends Like Us. Today I have Holly and Vladimir, not the Russian um, asshole, but the Dominican friend. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. How are you guys? <laughs> Vladimir. <laughs> Marina, I had no idea. I had no idea you had bars. Oh, I have bars yeah, every now and then. I could bring it in. Vladimir. It's so good to have both of you. You're both so friendly. You're 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 two of my favorite people in the comedy scene. You're so <laughs> you're so good. Every time I see you and I, you know, you're both just you're nice people. I don't and welcome <laughs> to friends like us. I've got Holly and Vladimir, not the uh Russian uh 
dictator, but the Dominican friend. And I had to do a take two on that song, but that's okay, because we got energy here. Hi. You know, some of the... <laughs> You know that that was that was a good take, but but the the first one you did had it had that it had that freestyle energy. It had that freestyle energy. I think I this may one. have still caught it. Hopefully, hopefully. Like I, I heard the melody to the Al song French Kiss. Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah, that French Kiss song is one of my favorite house songs. Do you know that, Vlad? Have you heard of that song, French Kiss? Um, you know, I'm I'm new to house. You. you you know this. No, I don't. I'm new to house. I'm I'm, getting, I'm just getting into it. I just got into Afro house. Ah. With your brother, right? Your brother's an exceptional My, dancer. Yeah, he's a uh, well. He's more he's more mambo and rumba. And um, I want to apologize in advance because when I smile, my eyes get small. So if I, if I smile throughout the podcast, my eyes aren't closed. It's just just the way I smile. I just want to preface <laughs> that as we. Um, What's well, that video? But, like, uh, they, get, they get very tiny when that's so just just oh, you know just wow, yeah. They do. So I just want to be clear. People get people get nervous. They get they get concerned. <laughs> you know, what's going on over there? So <laughs> okay? oh my god, they do. They do close. <laughs> they close. They shut down. It's man. like all of a sudden you're they blind or something. Yeah, it's like a, I think it's I think it's my brain is just how, is how I enjoy the laughter. I close my eyes and I go, yeah, man, that was funny. That was good. That was oh, good. Wow. I never noticed that about you. Do you talk about that on stage? Because you know Holly. Did I get the name right? Yes. Holly, you know, Marina gets very concerned. So I just have to warn her ahead of time. She gets, she gets concerned. So I just got to give her some, some heads <laughs> she up. She gets worried about you. <laughs> she gets very concerned. She gets very concerned. I check in but with people. Yes, I do. In. Check in. Yeah. How are you guys both doing? Like the world is almost open. I mean, I guess it's fully open. I've got this uh, little bit of a cough, cold. I don't know. Like I was saying, I was dancing in the rain. I was uh, mm. Sunday's last min- minute. Um, end of the year house music jamboree, which is ridiculous. I know house heads are really corny and kind of like, like silly and to call it a jamboree. (laughs) So ridiculous. (laughs) It's a bunch of like over 50 year olds just rehashing their old lives on the dance floor, if you can imagine. So there's a lot of like, um, people on the dance floor with like, you know, visual problems and <laughs> Marina, it sounds more like a, like instead of jamboree, it sounds more like a sarsis. <laughs> I know. Right. It, it is. It is. But it was raining and I'm a dedicated househead. So I definitely was like, you know, I went straight from the airport. Wow. Oh, you were serious. Wow. In the rain. Oh yeah. No, I try. And I went straight from the airport. I went there. It was raining all day. And so now I'm like a little sick. And I was, you know, pretty high most of the time. So the combination of smoking, inhaling smoke and rain and being around a ton of house heads, not a, that's like a, yeah, that's. What do you wear? Like, what do you wear when you should, like, what do you wear? Because I know house heads, like you dancing for hours. So I'm like interested in what you're wearing. Because house heads, you guys dance for hours. Like, are you just in some leggings I, and a t-shirt and. It's always like, you know, that's a great question because I always like, I try to imitate my sister. I'm like, Vlad, like I try to be as good with at, at things as my sister is with being a househead. Like she will look like a flower child. She wears like dresses. She wears the right appropriate shoes that for outdoors. I'm always getting it wrong. Like I'll wear 
shoes that get dirty, that are white in the rain. I'll try my best, but I, you know, I'm very Midwestern. I don't have a lot of fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I know, I wore these like khaki pants and a hoodie. Okay. I did not look sexy on this day. This was not one of my sexiest Sundays, but I just wanted to hear the music. Hey. So, sounds, sounds, nope. sounds, sounds very Old Navy. <laughs> oh, oh, you have no idea how Old Navy. Yeah, sounds yeah, very that's, Old Navy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I love Old Navy. I love it. And when you said khakis, I was just thinking, I hope they're just say they're just don't say pleated. They're not pleated, right? No, I don't think so. I'm just always thinking about khakis, like the pleats. Very few people can wear them and it actually flatters their body. Like it just does not do anything. So so Holly, that that that's that's where you draw the line. That is. Do you see some you see some pleated khakis? Like pleated like, pants, you have to really This ain't working. Yeah. Like you have to be so skinny. And your stomach has to be flat as a board for pleats to look good on you. Like plaited, plaited khakis or just pleated khakis are just not doing it for anybody. See, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, 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 don't know, I don't know what a pleat is. Yeah, when the fabric is like folded and then it comes out, like gathered at the top and then the fabric comes out. I see it. Yeah. I see it. I see it. I didn't want to say I didn't understand either, but I didn't. <laughs> I, thank you, Vlad. Because I was like, what's pleated? What's a pleat? That's like that's like when like British people call pants trousers, and you're like, "Oh, I like that fish. I, I like a good trouser in my." I don't know what that is. Ooh, <laughs> well, my, going right into yeah, the yeah. My dad still says slacks. He says a pair slacks, of I'm like, yeah. slacks, dad. Really slacks. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah I just I I don't even know if they were actually khaki. I got them off of that Stitch Fix they sent him because they thought it looked good, but it didn't. It didn't look good. I thought it looked good, but I looked Midwestern out there on the dance floor. I'm going to be honest. And then Lori Sumner. I don't know if you know Lori oh, Sumner, yeah. but oh, she yeah. was there and she looked gorgeous. She wore the, like, Vlad, you were talking about what do you wear? She was matching the trees. Oh. Whoa. That's, oh. She had on all green and, and brown, like the bark and the trees. She had like green leaf dress. Like it was like green leaves and. I'll be, I'll be posting it on my Instagram, but it was beautiful. Like she just blended in with the whole festival. Like there, there was one woman who had on like gold boots and she had on like a gold jacket. And I was like, she's definitely reliving her old, her days when she was young. I was like, look at her. She getting it. And there was one woman in a cat suit, like a pink cat what? suit. What? Now, now you're talking. She's never played Fortnite. I mean, you could see her from a mile away. Like she would never survive war. Cause I was like, I see you. If there's a, if God forbid there was a shooter, she'd be the first target. I mean, you could see her. And a cat suit. Like, come on now. No one's going to miss you in a pink cat suit. Like they're going to see you. All right. So let's get into the, some hot topics. I, I, I try to as best to think about what you guys are thinking about when I come up with these topics, more so with Holly than with you, Vlad. I'm sorry. Wait, well, what have you been up to, Vlad? Because I really haven't seen you in no, a while. Can, no, we can get right into the topics. I, I don't. Okay. I don't, all right. Cool. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, no, because I get, I get I get a sense you're trying to really connect and see where I'm at, and and you know we're here. You know, I I I see you on the scene. You know what I'm saying? So the Emmys with Jimmy Kimmel laying on the floor. Um, while Quinta Brunson was giving her speech has been gone viral and she didn't seem to have a problem with it. 
But a lot of people were like, you as a white man need to not be, you need to understand and respect that this is her moment and not take away the shine from her moment. It seemed to be that a lot of people found it to be bad, messy. <laughs> um, I think number one, we have to salute, we have to salute her, man. What, like what an achievement, you know, that she, she just did. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I had a pilot, on, I had a pilot that went to NBC. Um, we shot the pilot and didn't get through. I understand what she, what it took to get there, and then she's able to do it, and she has the cast of characters either. So salute to her. I think that's also part of the thing. Is like you have to understand what she just did. That's yeah. the thing. This ain't no. I mean, it's, with all due respect yeah. to all the Emmys, but this is a sister from. I think she's from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And for her to do what she did, and again, I know, I know what I'm talking about. That's what's so like weird about it. It's like you want me on the floor, dog. Like you, I don't, I don't think you understand what she just did. And um, mind you, I've, I've met Kimmel. Um, so I think uh, I have some empathy for this conversation because the other thing I want to say is that like, like Chappelle said about, um, like Chappelle said about Michael Richards, sometimes you look at things with two different lenses. You got your, you got your comedian hat on or you, or you got your, your civilian hat on, right? The comedian hat is like, oh man, like brother, that was just a bad bit, <laughs> you, just, you know? And then the, 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 the civilian is like, that's when you get into the history and everything else and so I'm I'm mixed about it because I, I get it. You're an award show. You're trying to you're trying to get that bit to go viral. I understand. I I, I get it. You know. But then the, the then that historical piece is like ah, oh, you know. Yeah, you couldn't mess up. You could you could just it just takes a second to just go wrong because you're you're dealing with time time issues. You're dealing and they said it had the lowest rating, so there's a lot of pressure. Mm that people aren't aware of for the Emmys. Um, there was one article, I think the one that I sent you, they, they even commented on Sam J, where they were like, the jokes just did not land. I was like, come on, man. No one watched it. So why? <laughs> Give her a break, you know? But <laughs> there, it just seems like a lot of stuff, those were just getting back from the pandemic. So maybe the production of an award show is very complicated and not going to go so smooth. I, I, and again, I met Jimmy. He's, he's a very, he's a very nice man. Um, if we remember a couple of years ago, he had the thing with his kid. Um, his kid had a, his kid was very sick and he made a big push for like health insurance and getting people on board with that. Um, yeah, I think it was just a, it was, I think you're right, Marina. I think it was, it was the pressure to get this thing to, to get this thing to be something like, Cause I don't, I don't know if this, I don't know if the, the people on TikTok are watching these shows that, you know, I don't know if they're watching. Um, you, you do get the sense that, that these networks have a lot of pressure to, to deliver. Um, yeah. I felt like right away, like the bit was funny when he was dragging him out for maybe five seconds. And then when he started the, I was like, all right, now it's, it's not funny anymore. So like as a black woman, I wasn't like, this is offensive. Okay, I just felt like, dude, it's not even funny. It wasn't that funny in the beginning, and now you're just laying there. And the thing is, she's short. Like, she's, like, 4'11", or, like, just five foot, and, like, this is her big moment, and you're laying there. So I wasn't offended, but I felt like he didn't he didn't know how to land a plane and kept trying to make it funny, and it just wasn't very funny. Yeah, how was he going to crawl off the stage? How do you get out of that bit? <laughs> I don't know. I don't how know. do you, like, get up from playing dead? Or what What was he playing? Because I only saw the clips. I didn't see the entirety. Was he, he was playing like he was mad because he never won one? 
Yeah, because John Oliver, whatever, keeps beating him. He never wins. So he was just like, I'm dead. And I was like. That skit proved the point of why he didn't win. Yeah, I mean, it, it was too long. It was too long. And then she got up there and it was her moment and he was just laying. And she was like, Jimmy, wake up. Like she did. She tried to be like, okay, now. And he was just like laying there. And like you could see women behind him. Like you could see Natasha Rothwell from Insecure and White Lotus. You could see her kind of like, all right, now get up. But, you know, he committed to a bit. He committed to a bit. It didn't work, but I was annoyed. I wasn't offended. So Stace, who's watching, she says, I think Quinta Brunson will be on Kimmel's show tonight. I was annoyed by Kimmel's jokes, so I'll be interested to see her on his show. Will Arnett dragged Kimmel off the stage, according to CNN. And then we have to, you know, there's so much to say here. We don't have enough time, but there's so much to say because the way she handled herself, you know, to, to watch her in that, and the way she was, the way she came out for that Emmy, she had an Emmy in her hand, and then the way she carried herself and the way she spoke afterwards, to me, that was the that was the alley oop in a way. You see, you see, because it's a pressuring job what she's doing. It's a lot of pressure, and for her to conduct herself that way, and then to still go on his show, to me, that's like queen behavior. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh yes, like, yes. Like you ain't going, you, you, you ain't going to mess around with my flow. Yeah, and she even said Jimmy Kimmel. She even like you know she said Jimmy Kimmel interviewed her before any of the other talk shows, and that he's been a big supporter. She said, it didn't really bother me. Maybe I'll feel different about it tomorrow, but I'm going on a show on Wednesday night. Maybe I'll punch him in the face. Like, she played it off. She played it off, you know? She's a pro. It was so, it was so good to see that, to see her with that Emmy from Philadelphia, holding that Emmy. Yeah. And, and just, just talking with such grace. Like, just like, just like, it's all good. Like, I got this. Like, Yeah, I, I grew up in Philly till I was 10, so I was feeling it. I still got yeah. that Philly love, so I was like, yeah. You know, I, I, I proposed to my wife in Philly. Oh, really? Yeah, and like I, I, I shot, I shot some foot. I've shot, I've done shows with Helium. So like, anytime I feel that Philly energy, I'm like, Let, let's go, let's let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. She, she's a, uh, you know, the reality is ABC owes her a lot. You know, they owe her a lot. So that's that's the other conversation, Jimmy. How could you do that? Like, this is our biggest, this is one of our biggest like pieces right now. So they, they, they're talking about it. You know, they they're having conversations internally. <laughs> <laughs> Abbott Elementary just like when I first watched it, we have like we know all uh know Janelle James, who also was up for an Emmy. I was like, whoa, Janelle James is just like I mean, I always knew she was like there's certain people that I watch in the comedy scene that I'm like, okay, they're gonna be famous. They're just I always knew that with her. And seeing her on this show, she's so funny, she's so good, she's just it's it's it, the show is just a great show. It's one of those shows where you're right. Like there's so much competition with streaming. Why watch network television? Why? And I found myself watching Abbott Elementary and just loving it and being really like, this is a great show. I was so happy for all of them. I really was. And I've had limited interactions with Janelle, but I'll say this about it. When I, I remember when I was talking to her one time, she would commute, I think, from like Maryland or something like that to go to her spots, like, you know, yeah, she would drive. And then but I've run into her in Los Angeles. So it's just, it's just wild to see it, man. It really is. She's sacrificed a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to, and to land with such a, such a great group of people, like that, that's every, that's every comedian's dream is like to land in a show like that and to work in that kind of environment. It's gotta be, I mean, I'm hoping it's just dope. It's just a dope, a dope experience. Yeah. Well, the show is perfect. So like, I can't find any faults in the show. And it's, I mean, it's, it's so perfect. It's like everybody watches streaming. Who's going to watch network? 
it's such a family friendly show. I've watched this movie with my, I watch a show with my husband and my kids like every week when it was out, we would never miss Abbott Elementary. We all loved it. And the timing of it was great because I think people were tired of the sort of like we're black-ish theme to shows where it's like, all right, we've explained ourselves enough to white America. Let's keep it moving. It's just kind of like that was the first step, kind of like the heights. And now we're moving on to like actually seeing us exist as like actually, you know, excuse my language, fucking real people that don't like talk about race all the goddamn time. Sorry. <laughs> I get so annoyed because I'm like, why do we always have to do that? But um, Cheryl Lee Ralph, her speech, the former Dreamgirls actress who won Best Supporting Comedy Actress for Abbott Elementary has that in more ways than one. She took the stage and belted the opening lines of Endangered Species by Diane Reeves before launching into a fervent acceptance that deserved a statuette of its own. I loved her just because, you know, being an older woman myself in this business and seeing that it could be so hard and you can and she talks about that don't ever quit believe in yourself your moment will come it was a wonderful wonderful uh wonderful moment and she's been in hollywood forever like i remember reading a long time ago that she was supposed to be pretty woman pretty woman the actual character was supposed to be black and she was supposed to be left at the end not have that cinderella and ed thing at the end it's supposed to be cheryl lee ralph and they just totally changed everything around so she's been in hollywood a long time Wow. Because what they do now is they'll take that clip, they'll put some inspirational music behind it, and then it'll show up on every TikTok video, you know, that, that I, <laughs> like, after I have to watch the clip, though. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard about it. I heard about it. Wonderful grace. I think, like you said, you said it best, the queen, being a queen in these moments and showing grace, really, because Hollywood could make you specifically as a black woman. I think you want to like everyone's a victim lately. So everyone like is expressing a lot of things that weren't really expressed in Hollywood. And a lot of people are doing that. And I find like she never she never complained she she always when she highlighted these moments where it was unfair, she always does it with a smile and she does it with a positive spin and she just tells the story, but she never falls into the sunken victim of it. And I think that's what is so impressive about her. Yeah, I was going to say the one thing I've always really loved and respected about Cheryl Lee Ralph is how protective she is of young actors that she's worked with. I don't know if you remember when Brandy was in that car accident, like maybe 20 years ago, Brandy was in a car accident where someone died. Like it wasn't, like, but every, all the blame got put on Brandy, but she was in an accident and all these people were piling onto Brandy and Shirley Ralph was so there for her. She like, she was like, she was in an accident. How dare you blame her? She was very fiercely protective of, of the young actors and people she's worked with. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Brandy was in a bad car accident. I want to get her on my side. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like her on my side. <laughs> but you know, for Moesha, you know, there were there were she was on Moesha, with right? Or the other shows, Succession. I don't watch Succession because I some I don't know. Do you watch Succession? You know, I was I've had several conversations about this, and um, I, I have friends who are deeply involved. They love that show. They love it. And um, you know, one of the things that's hard for me, and this is very difficult, like. I, I, you can see I'm shifting in my chair. Um, it's hard to have sympathy for people, like as a viewer, 
it's hard to root for any of these individuals because it's like, it's like any one of you can make an exit. You got enough cash. You're sticking around for the politics. If you got the money, Hey, I'm not into this dysfunction. I'm going to take my cut. I'm going to get myself a timeshare down in Aruba and I'm hanging out. Like you're indulging in this behavior. You're rich. You made it. Get out. I don't need to see you arguing with your father about who's going to take this kingdom. Like it's so difficult to have compassion with people like this. Like, and I guess that's the, that's the whole point of the show. It's like, you know, you want to kind of have anger at the rich people. They like, look at these, look at these rich people. Look at them. Look at them. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm better off eating a boy's head sandwich on Jerome Avenue than being, than being that rich. I guess that's the whole appeal of the show, but it's hard for me to get past it. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they go in and it's, it's more layered than that. I don't know because I can't get past watching it. Like you said, I, I have a, a, a thing where I can't watch shows where it's predominantly white. I just can't. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I have to admit after the 2016 election, I, I didn't watch any new, for me, it was like no new white people. It was like, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't watch any new white people on TV for a good, like, I'm serious, like 18 months. I was like, I'm going to stick with the white folks I already knew. A brand new white I already knew them, but I was like, I didn't want no brand new white friends for like a year. But like, I was just like, no new ones. So like, for me, it's hard for me to watch these super wealthy white people when I'm looking for the cheapest after school activity for my son. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what's cheaper? What's cheaper? What's cheaper? Like I, so it's hard for me to invest in that. Yeah, it was, I, yeah. I, I will say this. Have either of you watched house of dragon, the new game of Thrones? Yes. Or? Did you watch the last episode? Yes. I actually, so, true story. After I came in from the rain, I was dancing in the rain. After doing that, I tried to watch it and I was so tired. I had no sleep and my sister was staying in my apartment and she said, I kept waking up going, is that a, is that a little girl having sex? What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I, that's without giving any spoiler alerts, but go ahead. Platt. So that aside, (laughs) that aside, because I know what you, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly, and I, I had to I had to kind of you know <laughs> I had to kind of like, hey brother, it was hard to on, watch. Man? It was hard. Yeah. Um, there's a similar thing with that, right? Like, because I, I hear what Holly's saying is like, in Game of Thrones in the last episode, you see this character because it's basically it's just rich people politics. It's the kings and queens having conversations, right? And then in this episode, she has to go down with the with the poor folk. Like when she wants to have a good time, they got to sneak out the house and go with the poor folk. Because apparently poor folk know how, to, know, how, know how to have a real good time. And um, you get the sense that there's two worlds going on. There's the world of the working people. And then there's this whole other world with a whole different drama. And it just makes you, it makes you think about life. And you're like, yo, there's different levels of existence. Like we're here caught up in the Emmys and this, that. And then there's people like the rich, rich people. They're having a whole different kind of, they're having succession conversations. And that's, and that's their reality. And it's so weird to, 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 to think that like, man, there's people like just having a whole different existence. Like there's just a whole different existence. And very few, there are very few that are having that rich existence. I saw something, I watched um, Fox news by accident. 
<laughs> I know I should say. You tripped on it. You tripped and fell on, on some stage, Fox right? News. But I, you tripped I, and fell on I some tripped Fox and fell on some Fox News. And I saw the woman talking about how, you know, you go into these small towns, like I was in Michigan, you go into these small towns and Fox News is just readily available. And this woman was talking about how there's just nowhere to hide anymore. You used to be able to... <laughs> used to be able to go to this neighborhood and be away from the violence and be away. And there's just nowhere to go anymore. <laughs> I was like, yep, that's what they do. They create spaces for themselves so they don't have to see us, which it's not going to work. I've been saying this every episode. It's in your best interest to make sure you take care of everyone so that you don't have to have this conversation of how there's nowhere to hide because that's exactly right. There is nowhere to hide. That's why you see these smash and grabs in Hollywood. That's why you see these robberies going on on the Upper East Side now because you, you don't take care of the rest. The whole is a mess. Ooh, girl. I was I have a walking in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I have a question. Is it, is it that there's more crime or is there more surveillance? I've always wondered this because when I was growing up in the 90s, like I said, I knew, I knew what crime was. I knew crime. I saw it. Like, you couldn't tell me, like, it's just interesting. Like, is it, is it that there's more crime or is there just more surveillance? I think there's more crime. There's more crime there's and, more crime? and okay. there's more surveillance. I think both are okay. true because the thing. I think there's some of more crimes, certain types of crimes, certain types. Yeah. Theft. So they've said that in New York City, theft, like murder is down, according to murder is down, uh, yeah. according to Mayor Adams and his friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but crime, the certain types of crime are up like thieves, like my sister, you know, from Chicago was like at writing. She just saw a woman stuffing like toothpaste and everything in her shirt. And even the employees were like, we can't do nothing about it. It's that it's, it's gotten that bad. You know how they lock up in the Rite Aids and the CVS, they're locking up everything. You have to like ring a bell just to get toothpaste because they're stealing everything. That's where it is. That's, you know, the pandemic Unfortunately, you have a lot of have-nots right now, which we're going to get into because, Holly, you posted a video that speaks to a lot of what we've been talking about. That's why I invited you on. Can you can you talk about that video and what you're doing in Brooklyn with the Brick TV? Oh, thank you. Yes. I'm, I was like, oh, my God, what video? Uh, but, yeah, I'm working with Brick TV. I got so scared. I work with Brick TV. Uh, they're doing a year-long uh, coverage of housing insecurity. And so I worked with them. Um, I wrote and uh, we shot four videos. Three of them are sketches. And one you'll see is where I actually just go out into the street and ask people different questions about housing and how they feel. But a couple of things are really startling. Number one, there is more homelessness. The percentage of people that are homeless is at its highest in Brooklyn that it's been since the Great Depression. Wow. Yes, I believe it. Proportionally, not, you know, just proportionally with numbers. Um, and that when... Uh, Mayor Adams um, took down 239 homeless encampments, 239 homeless encampments. This, you know, just mantled them and people had to scatter to the winds. They offered all these people into shelters. Only five of these men would go to a homeless shelter because they said it was so violent. Only five? Only five. Only five. Only five. 
said they would go to a homeless shelter because of the state that they're in. Like if you're not a woman or with kids, home, if you're a man, just a single man in a homeless shelter, it's really rough, really, really rough. Um, but there was a lot of stats that really woke me up to what is going on because I had to do tons of research just to shoot these videos because I had to know what I was talking about. And it's really bad, really bad. So like the haves and the have nots are growing further and further apart. And I got into a little bit of insight into something I've always wondered about. You know, those middle income housing lotteries you have, where you'll be on a wait list for 10 years, that they're, the way they base what middle income is, is that they include uh, places like Westchester and Nyack in what middle income housing is. So you have people saying, well, middle income housing is $175,000 a year. No, 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 that's not middle income housing. That's our middle income salary. That's upper, upper middle class. Like middle income, it should be like between like 50 and like 125,000. You know what I mean? But so there's so many things that really work against people in New York when it comes to housing. And so that's what I was talking about. Yeah, the housing problem. I've been on this task force every Monday with um, Kristen for Harlem, who I've had on the show. You're absolutely right. Affordable housing, what we've been discussing and what we've been trying to make clear and what we're trying to have people understand is that affordable housing is not affordable housing. So when they say affordable housing, a lot of people think that means poor individuals. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with individuals who need housing that are struggling, but it's not actually affordable for the people that actually live in Harlem. So like, I think it's called AMI, the average income is not really what's so when they when they try to do a building on 145th street a skyscraper they claim that they had a certain number of units that were affordable but they're not affordable for the average person living in harlem 10,000 black individuals were displaced in harlem 10,000 10,000 lost their homes harlem is now 50% black and Latino, okay? It's 50% now. So it's a made, as far as having a home and keeping a home in Harlem, it's been made very difficult and it's on purpose too. And you're absolutely right. That's why I was so glad to see your video because it speaks to such a bigger problem that's across the United States. It's not just in New York City. It's everywhere. Yeah. Do you see that in the... Yeah, it is by design. started to call gentrification displacement because I think what people don't understand is they think gentrification means like a Starbucks and, you know, like what I used to say, like a nice grocery store. What I what it has now become is get out. Like get out. If you're of color and you don't make a certain income, get out. And that affects people of color, obviously. So we were saying the AMI, the area, it's the area median income. So the area median, in, area uh, median, M-E-D-I-A-N income, they, they, since they factor in these places that are like suburbs of New York City, where people make two and 300,000 or 400,000, half a million dollars a year, they factor that in. And so everything gets skewed that way. So if middle income housing is this way, then what do you think it is for NYCHA, which is the projects? Do you know what I mean? So it goes all the way down. So when you take a look at um, those housing lotteries, you have a, first of all, even for your number to come up, you have a better chance 
of getting into Harvard. You have a one, of the average New Yorker has, I'm, I'm dead ass. The average New Yorker has a one in 529 chance of getting chosen for that lottery. One in 529 chance of getting chosen. And then you have to qualify. And so if there, for someone to, an area medium income, uh, a, a, a middle income housing apartment would be like a two bedroom for $5,000 a month and say, that's affordable. That's not. That that is just not. Not. I mean, it's, and then if you have kids, forget it. So it's like people are being pushed further and further out, and then you know they they bring middle income housing into areas, thinking that they're helping people, but all they're really doing is squeezing out more people. And elders too, elders who don't really understand what's going on, they're the ones that are really getting pushed out. It's really just super sad and abhorrent even so i have this article new poll finds new yorkers back state legislation providing no fault evictions and automatic lease renewals even after the distribution of 2.2 billion in emergency rental assistance an estimated 591,000 households in new york remain behind on rent according to the national equity atlas and nearly three quarters are households of color only 2% of households with rental areas have received aid from the program. Only 2%. With a moratorium on evictions now expired, many advocates argue that the legislation that addresses the short and long-term impacts will offer a more effective and stable solution than further extension of the eviction moratorium. Tenant advocates in New York are advocating for the passage of statewide good cause eviction bill introduced in 2019 and 2021 by State Senator Julia Salazar of Brooklyn and Assemblymember Pamela Hunter of Syracuse. But the bills were never brought to a vote. The good cause eviction bill would afford tenants critical protections against warrantless evictions and rent increases while preventing no-fault evictions and establishing a tenant's right to an automatic lease renewal in most cases. The bill defines a steep rent increase to mean either a 3% increase or 150% of the consumer price index, whichever is greater, unless major market changes or renovations justify such an increase. Now, with the pandemic's impact on housing instability growing more dire and the release of recent poll by city and state that found that 69% of respondents support the bill's passage, legislation is beginning to pick up steam. That was a lot that I read there. I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, it seems like they're trying to make sure people aren't just get booted. I will say this. There are more people fighting against big corporations who are trying to move into these neighborhoods, like specifically in Harlem. Like they prevented a, a big corporation from making this skyscraper in Harlem. I mean, that is that should be on news like every single day. I didn't know that. I know. I didn't know it's, that. And that's also on purpose that you don't know it. Because when people hear about what they can actually do to prevent corporations from coming in and doing what they're doing, that means that more people will get involved and more people will start to like motivate themselves to prevent this from happening. But it did happen in Harlem. Community Board 10, Community Board 11, Kristen for Harlem. 
They fought this. They they claimed to have, and they were going to, they had Al Sharpton backing them, the skyscraper. Skyscraper. <laughs> you got it right the first time, the skyscrapers. <laughs> That's because of my, my sinus infection. It's like scrappy. But they had Al Sharpton's endorsement initially. And then once you have more community members speaking up and saying, no, 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 looks... Let's let's show what the numbers are really. Let's show what the average income, medium income is really in Harlem. Let's show what you're really doing to these individuals in Harlem. They were going to put a, a a a black museum, a history museum, and that was their thing. They were like, "Well, we got a museum." Great, like lovely. Wow. Well, I mean, I wonder if people have are looking at like what Jared Kushner has done in Baltimore. You know, Jared Kushner just bought up, like, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Like, he bought up, like, half of Baltimore, and he's, like, their biggest slumlord. He's doing very little with it. People have even less than they had before, and he owns it with all the money he made from the White House. You know, they made $66 million while they were there in Trump's four years, he and his daughter. Uh, his daughter, yeah, he and his daughter. So I just feel like maybe the people in Harlem, they're, I mean, I love the fact that they did that because that was not going to help them. Yeah, and we talked on this episode, I had Memo, who is an activist, who talks about CLT, which is land trust, you know, owning land in Harlem instead of like having like Amazon be in Harlem or anywhere. You have like actual individuals owning land that they can never take over. And we, the people, do something with that land that they can never take away from us. And I think that is, CLT is a really interesting um, prospect for Harlem right now. I'm excited about it. With families still reeling financially from the pandemic, coupled with deluge of eviction filing statewide, lawmakers must usher this critical legislation into law before the end of session in early, it says June, that must be, that must have been a while ago. You know, I just think that, like, I think housing itself is such a large conversation, too, because there's more and more people, there's more and more people living, living remotely now. Like, they're living, like, Mexico or, or Aruba or somewhere else. They just have, like, there's a phenomenon going on globally, I think, of what housing means. Like, you know, you got apartments now. You got a, a studio apartments, one bedroom for, like, five, six K in some neighborhoods. Like, and I see that and, like, you know, I'm not, thankfully, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm not, like, struggling, but, like... Even if you're doing well, I kind of go, who's paying, who's paying $6,000 for one bedroom? You know, like, yeah. like who, who are they? People who live right next to the Barclays Center. That's who's paying five or six thousand. All those new luxury buildings around the Barclays Center. That's why people didn't want to come. And now it's here and yay, we can have the VMAs there. But all those luxury buildings have cropped up in the past 10 years. And you can't get an apartment for their less than like $5,000, like a studio, 5000 a month. See, transparency, that's the thing. That's what you always got to fight for with these buildings that go up is how are you going to give... Everyone thinks I'm crazy because I always argue with that restaurant beneath me and I always talk about a noise <laughs> a noise violation. You are still fighting with these Oh, yes, I am. Last week I was on a Zoom. Oh, you have no idea. And I go in because the thing is, what's at first was a noise violation turned out to be like full disclosure they were shady with a lot of stuff and they were creating what i call white spaces in black neighborhoods i knew it because i i talked to the community board and i said you need to find out you know look 
a, a white owned business in Harlem. That's not the problem. The problem is what are they doing to contribute to the community? Really? Are they being good neighbors? Are they? Are they just starting to create more white spaces for white individuals in Harlem? And that's it. So I have opened their eyes to the fact that they claim they do so much and they don't do. They're all about their own pocket. Wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, the building white spaces in black neighborhoods, I see that because I have friends who like they just moved out the bedside a few years. They were like, we're in Clinton Hill. They moved the bedside. They got like a, almost like a shell of a brownstone. They've been fixing it up. And so they joined the block association, right? And the block association through this big block, throws this big block party every year. And it's really, really loud, but really fun. It's in August, all the kids are there. And so a whole bunch more white people started moving into the neighborhood and they were trying to join the block. They were joining the block association to shut down the block party. They were like, this block party is so loud and it's disruptive. And and the, the existing block association was like, screw you, no. This is our party. So then they formed their own block association and then petitioned and had the thing shut down. And then they had a mole or a snitch who went back to the black association and told them what was happening. And then the black home association, the block, they went and had it turned back on. So then when the block party happened, the the the, the white block association was like, um, what's going on? We had this shut down. It's shut down. They were like, you had it shut down? And the cops were like, yeah, and they had it put back up. So, and then they were furious. It was like a whole thing in their neighborhood where they were really just trying to be like, why are they sitting out in their stoops? Yeah, see, that's a whole, I oftentimes, you know, what's interesting is when I talk about noise, like in my building, like I often worry that people think I'm trying to shut down that, like what you were saying, like people like having a good time on a block, you know, but that's not it. It's like, no, I'm shutting down a bar that is preventing tenants who live above them from having peace of mind. So that's different. Like that's a, like, right. You know, cause I, and I've, I think that a lot of times the community board, they get confused by that. They think that's what I'm doing. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is saying that like at two o'clock in the morning, you shouldn't be hearing Rick James in your living space. Okay. And, you know, like to assume that black individuals themselves don't deserve peace of mind is also an issue. Right. So it's like, it's, it's complicated, but it is like, you don't want to shut down, like you said, like the culture of Harlem, which is yes, music and house music even, and, and all that. And where you have the gentrifiers who come in, who who are like, it's too loud. You don't want that, but you do want like, someone who's coming in and just doing whatever to the tenants who live above that establishment. And that's what was happening. And they did actually shut down a business that had like a lot of criminal activity in it. Yeah. Yes. And people, black people who lived above it, who were like, listen, no, uh, uh-uh. it's not just loud, but we also sound, um, 
can also mean there's stuff going on there that shouldn't be going on. And with gun violence that was happening, there was like shootouts on the block. And people who lived above the building were like, my kids have to come in through this building and they have to see this and they have to go to school. And this is, a there needs to be, someone needs to be, um, the lawlessness of it. it needs to be dealt with and to assume that black people don't deserve, you know, law or it's just some decent, uh, quality of life issue in itself is is racist. I feel it's just, it's it's just a, a yeah. That's a good point because it's lumping black people with criminals together, and it's just like no, we're just people. We don't like crime. Nobody likes no nobody likes crime. You know the conversation of like nationhood is such an interesting phenomenon, right? Like you can be rah rah a certain nation or a certain country, and like we try to have that with our neighborhoods. And that gets so, that gets so like touchy, man. Like what that means, what it actually means. Because 1950s Harlem is very different from Harlem today, or old Harlem, the you know the Renaissance and all that. And um, Harlem is a special place. Yeah, you know? and you got to wow. keep that. You got to you kind of keep that community there. And it's sad to hear that a lot of them are being displaced that have lived here and gone through food deserts when it was a food desert, went through the redlining, went through, you know, the drugs that were brought into Harlem unbeknownst to the people who lived in Harlem. And now you want to move in a higher income. Uh, people are making more money and displace those who went through all of that. You don't want to like take care of those people. I have a huge problem with that. Do you feel like, do you feel like more people are having these conversations? Like we got to do business, but we can't do business this way. Do you find like more people are waking up to this kind of style of conversation? Yeah. Well, you mean like, uh, like what, like go, go ahead, go further. Like the stuff you're talking about, right? I feel like it requires information, access to information. And this is the kind of stuff that we didn't have because we had certain schools set up a certain way and information was limited. But now we have this information and we're talking about it. You know, Holly just did a, a, a you know a piece on brick, you know, brick TV, and like that information gets out, and it, it becomes it becomes hopefully hopefully gets out right, like hopefully. Well, to me, it's like like we did the whole promo, we did those four promos because it's a, they're gearing up for the Be Heard Town Hall where they're going to be discussing this over the year, and so there was kind of like. Let's do something that's sticky and not sexy, but something that's sticky that makes people want to watch it. You know what I mean? Because it is real information that people need. Um, but the thing that really stuck with me is it made me wonder in terms of information for a neighborhood, how many luxury buildings does it take in a neighborhood to offset the people that the people move to the neighborhood for in the first place? You know what I mean? Like I take a look at like Clinton Hill where I live. I'm like, okay, luxury building, luxury building, luxury building, luxury building. How many is the point where it's really squeezing other people out? And should there be a moratorium on how many you can build in a neighborhood? Because in order to maintain just the social ecosystem of what's there pre-existing. Well, I think Till was trying to do that, right? Where they were letting people buy. Uh, Till is a program in New York where they let people buy was it cheap homes and then eventually own them? But it's, they're starting to find the conspiracies even with programs like that. Oh, what, like what? They're finding that it was ne more nepotism or something or? 
like a lot of times they still feel like they're being pushed out of even their homes even then. But you're right. It's like, if you're going to be a luxury building in this neighborhood, what are you going to do? How, how much percentage of that luxury building is going to be realistically affordable housing? Not affordable housing for people who make $80,000 and up a year. Like the actual affordable housing that exists for the people that live here currently. Well, yeah. I mean, and then, and then how are these buildings even built? Like for instance, my husband, I have, you know, I have a husband, I have two kids where we're trying to move and it's like, good luck trying to find a three bedroom in one of these nicer buildings. So even if we made more money, it's harder to even move into a nice building because they don't have the bedrooms. They make studios, one bedrooms and two bedrooms. Very rarely do they make three bedrooms. So right away, boom, they don't want families. Do you know what I mean? They don't want families there. That's, that's a family. Most people have like one, two kids, you know, or more. So, but in New York, it's an average of two kids. You have like two kids. So boom, that extras you out right there. Then if it's $5,000 a month, boom, that extras you out right there. So there's barriers before you can even look at a place where you know we just can't even live there. So then your options of where to move even in your own neighborhood get slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. Yeah, but I, th- I think you're right, Vlad, that they are, these conversations are being had more and more people are, 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 the pandemic shined a light on it for a lot of people. Like they see it and they're fighting it. You know, I, I'm on the task force every Monday and I hear people really getting involved. So there's hope. It's really interesting, man, because you look at, you know, we were talking about uh, In the Heights earlier and like the fact that people are having the conversations about the film the way they are is so strange to me because like when I was a kid, I remember The Last Dragon came out with, uh, remember The Last Dragon? <laughs> you said The Last Dragon with Time Mac. With Time Mac, who I follow on Instagram. <laughs> uh, yes. I follow Time Mac. I follow, I follow that. I follow that brother. And, um, and I was... If I remember, I got to rewatch it, but I remember it took place in Harlem, no? Yeah, I'm not, I just know New York. I don't know where. And I just remember like what that movie had, it had the hood talk, okay, it had the hood talking, man. Like, cause it was showing us like fighting and, and doing like what we saw Bruce Lee doing. And, um, you know, like I, I bring, I bring, I bring it up because like, I feel like people are talking like, and I feel like, um, it's a slow process, but I feel like, and people, what sucks about it is that people are hurting. As, as we figure this out, people are hurting. You know, that's the hard part about this transition. They are. And I'll tell you one thing, I feel as if we need to approach elections differently. You know, like it feels like we just have all these like ads, all these commercials, about why you shouldn't vote for your opponent and then why you should vote for me. And it's like 30 seconds to a minute because it's not an infomercial. And then there's this mad rush to vote, 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 vote. Where I always feel like, wow, what if we had homegrown celebrities from their neighborhoods have like a series of town halls in three, two, three months leading up to an election so people can actually go to these and hear what the issues are or raise more issues or just let your councilwoman know what's important to you. You know what I mean? Because there's what they're telling you that they could do, but then there's also what's important to us. Like, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a person running for city council, they're going to tell you what they represent. But then there's, but where is the two-way street of you actually being able to tell them what's important to you? Yes. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? So I feel like we approach elections in a bad way. I was just telling Vladimir that I feel like we no, should be- No, I heard be, it. I was listening. 
Oh, you did? Okay, there. Because I feel like we should be... She's on it. Sorry. So I feel like we should be... If we approach it in a more comprehensive, but like a longer kind of span, then we could actually talk about some real issues. But it's just like, vote, 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 vote. And this is what I do. And this is what he doesn't do. And it's like, well, what about what I was really kind of talking about? Well, that brings up such a good point about this, uh, the... I guess that's a whole conversation about interracial marriage and sex that may be too long. But, you know, when they Roe versus Wade, the reversal, it opened up this whole thing about now same sex marriage and interracial marriage rights. Have you noticed that all of these congressmen, the right, the Republicans have erased everything from their platform so that you don't see that that's what they're against? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. They hide it. They scrub their websites. They scrub their websites, even how they vote, like how they vote for this, for abortion ban here, abortion ban. They scrub that from their sites, but they'll publicly vote for it. So the Respect for Marriage Act would enshrine federal protections for same-sex marriage and interracial marriages and repeal the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, which recognizes marriages in the United States as between one man and one woman. So they're trying to get enough Republican senators now to in Congress to vote on this as legislation to protect it, basically. Do you think it'll happen? Yeah, I think, okay. I think that interracial marriage is going to be protected and same-sex marriage will be challenged. Oh, because Clarence Thomas, because his ass got a... Yeah, because Clarence and Ginny, you know, Ginny is the biggest terrorist we got. That woman is uber Karen. She is Karen with, 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 with actually effective Karen. She's the most effective Karen out there. Like she really is. She's a terrorist. And so I think that honestly, interracial marriages are going to be fine, uh, but same-sex marriages are going to be, it's going to be iffy. It's just, this, this is a comedian. I mean, like, it's interesting that they, they, they define marriage and then they have to have a clause for interracial marriage. And then they have to have another clause. It's like, it's like they have, they have a version of marriage first and then we're adding to that. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and it's like, isn't it just marriage? Like, it's just like, marriage, like, like, isn't it? That, that that's the part that that's the that's the part that's always like so interesting to me. It's like, so but tell me again what you're what you just you're saying that's an ideal marriage. That's what you're saying. That's you you you're, you're saying you have the origin point, and then it gets annoying because it's like because they're using the Bible. And they say that we are, we are a Christian nation and this is what it says in the Bible. And, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but who gives a shit? I don't care what it says in the Bible. I don't care. You know, a lot of people are Jewish or they're Muslim, they're Buddhist, or they don't even do anything at all. And they're just good people and pay their taxes. You know, so it's like they fall back on that. But yeah, it, to me, it just comes all down to white men, straight white Christian men having a say over everybody's lives. That's pretty much it. It's also financial though, right? You both are married. I've never done it. So I know like when you get, <laughs> when you get married, right? Your taxes, what happens? Like where they, the government starts to follow your money more, right? That's how I see it. I didn't know that. Maybe they do. <clears throat> I just know that your, your debt comes together and that could be rough. Well, honey, I have a, I have a question. I have a question for both of you. How much of this is like, you know, like, how much of this is like just globally, like, we're just, I'm, I'm using the word like too much, but we're, we're facing forces, we're facing technological forces that are so new to all of us, right? You know, we're talking about decentralization. Finance is changing, business is changing. We have NFTs, we have Web 3.0. And you kind of get the sense that the people who are in power 
are almost trying to figure out where, because even they're treading water. To me, it feels that way sometimes. Like, it's too much information. It's too much technology. You know, we got the metaverse coming out. You know, this, guy, this guy's building an artificial universe for us. You know, the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets just had the, the metaverse, which is a, a thing where you can see the game from every angle. You know, we're dealing with a level of supervision that we've never had before. And um, you just get the sense that we're all trying to figure out, like, what does it mean to be human in the next 20 years? Oh, you're absolutely right about that. And I think emotionally, emotionally, that's what's, that's, what, that's the subtext. Like we're all just being so emotional. We're like, yo, where the hell is the world going? How many vaccines, how many vaccines are we going to have? I just think that white Christian men are trying to shore up power. You know, I think Obama scared the shit out of them. I think that like where we were, the conversations that we would have about race, gender, sexual orientation, classism, ableism, those conversations leapt forward like 40 years in an eight-year span with the combination of Obama with the internet and with social media. People just talk, 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 and the conversations progress a lot faster, a lot further. And I think it's just a matter of shoring up power. It's about shoring up power. Because think about it. If you can have conversations about whether people of different races should get married or if men should marry men or women should marry women, then you don't have to address other things. You don't have to address education. You don't have to address these other things. So if you, it's like by fighting a culture war, it keeps the real issues of power at bay. And it's, it stays over here. It stays in here. So we don't, have to, we don't have to look at other things to get done. Well, white people think they're being displaced, right? They, they feel like they're losing. I mean, who wants to give up the majority? Why would you want to give up that? And why would you... Like I've always said, who wants to, I think, yeah, who wants to feel this? The pain of like uh, slavery, the pain of history. I get it. Like I would, if I could opt out of knowing what it feels like to walk into a store and being looked at or living my life as a black woman every day, if I could opt out of that. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why? You're, we're forcing them to look at it. And they're like, I don't want to look at it. As a matter of fact, can you just stay over there? But over there. Yeah, it's always something with you guys. Over there is over here. I want to ask them, do you also feel like there's more bandwidth now to tell like fuller narratives? So like back in the, yeah. back in the days, it was, it was TV. It was uh, movies, right? And then now TV just came blew up like with the, the, the seasons and the multiple characters and blah, blah, blah. It feels to me like we're having a reckoning with history. Like we're having conversations about, hey, man. You're leaving a whole chunk of that story out. You're leaving a whole chunk of the story out, and it affects how we're going to move forward. If you leave that part of the story out, it's going to affect how we're going to move forward. So I need to kindly ask you to please add this to the footnotes of this document that you're writing, because you're leaving it out. And I feel like more people like, like we're talking about are speaking up on that. Like, you know, there's a whole part of the story you're just leaving out. There's a whole chapter that you're not even talking about. Stace is saying that the House passed a bill on marriage equality trying to get it through the Senate. My heterosexual friend has often said he cannot see how many how my marriage to my wife in any way might undermine the sanctity of his or anyone else's marriage. There it is. Yeah. It's about being centered. The more people are moved from the center, they feel like they're losing something. No, but the thing is, it was never yours to begin with. You were always just stealing the center. 
And so when you are decentered, you know, like that quote, everyone says, you know, equality looks like um, oppression to people who've always been centered, who've always been on top. You know, you, I mean, you hear people say things like, remember when the Oscar So White campaign a few years ago, and there was Emmy So White? I'll never forget there were white writers who would say things like, well, who of these white actresses would you take off that list? Who would you take off that list? And so it makes us be like, oh, I can't attack them because that's how it is. They look at like that; those spots are rightfully theirs. When people see something as rightfully theirs, they see you as taking it away as opposed to it just being a spot. Like they come to take our jobs. That's not your job. A job is a job. And who gets a job is gets a job. It's not your job. And they're still with. the majority. They're not losing anything. I, I just said recently on a, a live, which I'm sure like, I don't know, not too many people watch my live, but um, I was just saying like, I watch your live, do. girl. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I just noticed like all these white guys in comedy talking about like, you remember how they were, I don't know if you saw it, Vlad, but I saw a lot of white guy comics who were like, oh my God, they're not going to look for me. What am I, you know, like they're only, they're not looking for the white guy. They are making so much money right now. That whole cancel culture thing is bullshit. Cancel culture has paid them in such a large sum. They are making so much money off of making fun of the fact that they're being canceled. They're not being, they're, the, that's a myth. Not, if you're making that money, you were not canceled. No, they're none of, they're all making money off of it. They are all. Exactly. So it's like the whole, there is, there is no cancel culture. There is no, Bill Cosby is going to go on tour. Like Harvey Weinstein, he's in jail. Okay. But he's not in jail for all Bill the Cosby's crap he did. Bill Cosby's going on tour? Like, yeah, I heard Bill Cosby's going to go on tour. He wants to go on what? tour. I got I to gotta Google this. I got to Google this. Are you serious? Well, that's what I heard. I heard that Bill Cosby, that he could go on tour. And I'm like, uh, wait a minute now. What are we doing here? But I don't care. So anyone wants to go see Bill Cosby on tour, go on tour. I don't care. Watch your mic. Now, while we're... T- while. Well, uh, Vlad is googling. Is Bill Cosby going? No, on? it's not. I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's fully realized yet. Oh, okay. it's in the works. But my whole point is: is he out of jail? He is. And people are going to go to that show, and they're going to go. People like the ones that we canceled, and they want to go and see what is all this commotion about. The woke, yeah, like I don't hate the woke me. comics. I don't know. They don't seem to be making as maybe maybe I'm wrong, but we, we seem to be more polite as as the the woke audience <laughs> seems to not be in in protest right now. Like the the unwoke audience, like the alt right, the the white man, their protest is by supporting their white comic that is about to get canceled. Whether or not they now. Whether or not they're hilarious or not, they seem. And I have heard these conversations about certain comedians who, who go on lengths to talk about being, you know, canceled and and how I don't have this anymore. I've heard from their own audience. They're like, yeah, I actually wasn't that good. But they're going into support and to find out what it's about, and it's it's working for them. Now I do want to move on to Black Twitter response to the death of Queen Elizabeth because that is in the news, and then we'll oh, get boy. out. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, it's just like I was watching 
I was in Michigan in my hotel room just watching this guy like being interviewed about the queen. And look, I'm I'm as fascinated about monarchy as the next person. It's just just for like just to see what is going on, like a museum. But I'm not crying in the camera. This guy was like, I can't, I I can't talk right now. I can't, I can't. Please take the camera away. Just this average guy. And I'm sure some of his family members were like, you didn't even cry like that when your sister died. You know what I mean? It's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, seriously? Like, let's let's really look at this history of colonialism. And I, I had, I had, um, a Baker Bone, what's his name? Baker Bone. Gordon, Gordon Baker Bone. He tweeted something out about showing the king, the now king, the way he was treating them to clean off his desk. And he was just like, you know, it was very dismissive. Very I saw the video. I saw the video. I saw the video. And I saw the video. It was like, this is the person you support, the the way he treats people. This is who you support. And I like, I just liked it. And I swear to God, a white friend from Australia was like, Oh my God, she just passed away. Come on, really? Really? And I thought to myself, you first of all, you're in Australia. You're like super white. You don't get to tell a black person how to feel on this. I'm sorry. You just don't because there's so many bullet points. Yeah, like I feel bad that somebody's grandma, that somebody's mother, whatever they die. Like I get it. But like as far as the rest of us, how can you expect black and brown people to mourn this woman? I just don't understand. I don't. Like and I, I have to admit, what kills me is that the, the major networks, they've been airing the funeral, dragging her body around for the, they're going to drag her around for the next week. But they didn't even like air Joe Biden's speech <laughs> a few weeks ago. They didn't even air that. All the networks didn't even air that speech when it was live. But we're going to, but we're going to air the queen. And, you know, she was a huge colonizer, huge, huge colonizer. So, you know, I don't, I can't really feel that bad. I'm just like, and then she was 96. Like this woman didn't get shot down in her prime. She wasn't 32. Yeah, what was her health care? Let's talk about that. Like they they got good health care. If anything, there is proof that if they want to keep you alive, they will. 96 and got COVID and survived that. What kind of like, yo, she had the health care. So I just, I mean, I feel bad. That's your grandma. That's your mama. I feel bad. Yeah, when anyone passes, we're not saying like we're so insensitive that she passed. Obviously, it's like, you know, for a family member to pass. Obviously, that is is sad. And also, you know, she is historical. You know, she's she's someone that we we study and we look at and we go, what what is that? So that's important in itself. But a reminder that the Queen Elizabeth is not a remnant of colonial times. She was an active participant in colonialism. She actively tried to stop independence movements and she tried to keep newly independent colonies from leaving the Commonwealth. The evil she did was enough, says Shakia on Black Twitter. You know, Black Twitter has gotten so insanely amazing that there there are people like there are black people on Twitter talking about how their white colleagues are like, how do I download that black Twitter? Like, where is it? (laughs) My God. How do I download it? Go ahead. Sorry, Holly. No, I'm just saying these youngins ain't here for it. They're not here for it. You know, like I don't blame them. One of the um, things that I was interested in is like, because colonialism is the glaring thing, right? But I spoke to some like, uh, you talk like to some Dominican folk, right? 
the colonialism is a part of it, but then it's also the concept of the concept of a monarchy. You know, that this just the concept of that, the concept of a monarchy, like just that idea is like, you know, like who pr- princess for who? That that's the kind of flair you get. Like just the just the just the just the the idea of it. Like we're gonna why why are you a, why are you a queen? Can can we please discuss this? I've never seen you on America's Got Talent. <laughs> I've never seen you. You understand? Like what what under what qualifications? Did you see the TikTok go viral of the young girl crying because she thought Beyonce was gone, or they kept they kept bringing up different queens, and that's what she was really crying about. But it, but in in that but in that scenario in that in that scenario, like from a casual observer, you can refer to a body of work. Oh, I can see why Beyonce could be referred as the queen. Okay, I'm going to watch a Super Super Bowl performance. I have a body of work that I can turn to, and I can go, Oh my God, this is truly phenomenal. No one has ever put together this type of symbolism and dance and, and poetry together in such a way. But you're, tell me why. Explain to me why, why are you the queen? Give, give, give me a body of work. You know? Fareed Zakaria, he starts off a paragraph where he says she was boring at best. That's how he started it. He goes, she was just boring. She did nothing to speak out against anything. She just kept the, it going the rituals. So, yeah. So that's why I'm kind of like, okay, all right. And lived to be 96. So I'm just like, she lived, she skated. This woman skated for 96 years and then she died. Like, okay. And Meghan Markle, they want to still try to drag her because she was wearing the hat. They said, Bethany Frankel, for some reason has an obsession with Meghan Markle and just in the route they talk about, they said in the year of 2022, who is listening to anything Bethany Frankel has to say, huh? Despite the fact that she is seemingly using every opportunity to disparage Meghan Markle for no damn reason. Last week on her podcast, she ripped into Markle claiming that she messed up by abdicating her Royal responsibilities. Just like, shut up. No, please. She didn't care. No, let me see. The, the white women that come from Meghan Markle are a very special brand because it's extremely transparent because Meghan Markle has done nothing to nobody. Like she's just with her man, raising her family, doing her podcast that unseated Joe Rogan's <laughs> two weeks ago. You saw that, right? She un- her, her podcast unseated Joe Rogan's for the top spot two weeks ago. They are salty. Everything from Sharon Osbourne, Joan Rivers, uh, not Joan Rivers, I'm so sorry, Joan Collins, God rest Joan Rivers' soul, Joan Collins, um, Bethany Frankel. They're like, it's like a weird thing where they just They're jealous. And it's like, thank you. Because she has the audacity as a black woman to be arrogant and proud and not give a fuck. That's what it really is because they don't, they really, it's like I had a woman on the podcast, Dr. Psyche on, who talks about that scene with Cecily Tyson being dragged because she had the audacity to be proud. And that's really, you know, at the core, psychologically, they need to go and see someone about that, about what it is about seeing a proud comfortable, confident, arrogant. Because she is arrogant. Megan is, let's be honest. Yep. And, do you know what I mean? Like, okay. But like, she's not doing anything to them. <laughs> like, she's, but yeah, they, they, but they, these are the same women. They would never come for someone like Nene Leakes from Real Housewives of Atlanta because she will read them from to the floor 
all the way down. They will never come for someone like that. But they want to come for women like Meghan Markle because they think she could, I can say whatever. What's she going to say back to me? It's that arrogance. She's a quiet arrogance where she doesn't feel like she has to defend herself. And that is too close to what they think they should be. Absolutely. It's about how they, it's about how they see black women. It's about how they see black women and how black women, sh- how they should be taken seriously or not. You know, I, 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 well, I was going to say that like so much of this feels like, um, like the media business is trying to prop itself up in a way because the, when, when the queen died, the amount of conversations that were, that people were having about why are we celebrating this? Like, I'm not, I'm not even sure they were ready for the volume of it. In some ways, I think they might've enjoyed it because it, it led to more clicks and more conversations, more engagement. But I think it's a real challenge for them. Like, like that whole culture got on the, it got into the spotlight for a couple of days. And a lot of, a lot of people found allies like, yeah, bro, this, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why, why are we, why are we doing this? We just, just came just out of a, a pandemic with, like we were just talking about, we're talking about real people struggling to stay in their homes right now. It was a very, it's an epidemic. We just came out of a pandemic. People are really hurting out there. The world is hurting right now. And to celebrate a white woman who is, I mean, it's fantastical. It's like, we have been talking about like, why is that even still around? What are we paying for? Is that, that's not a, that's that palace. They got to pay for that. Yeah. My 10 year, my 10 year old Rosie, my son, Rosie asked me, he's like, what does the queen do? How does she make money? He's like, isn't she the president? I was like, no, they don't have a president. They have a prime minister and that's not her. She doesn't write any laws. He was like, what does she get money for? Where did the jewels come from? And when I started explaining to him, he was like, what? Like, and he's and he's and he, and he's ten, and he's asking the same question I am. Prove to me, T- tell me, tell me how. He's in the fifth grade, asking real questions. Tell me, explain to me, explain to me. Make me a believer. Make me a believer. Tell me, tell me, tell me how. <laughs> like, tell me how. And he's and he's in the fifth grade. And in mm-hmm. England right now, where they are in Europe right now, they're in a crisis, an energy crisis. They're about to go into a winter where they don't know about their their heating because of the war in Russia. And so, like, really? We're going to, like, celebrate this when you guys don't have, they don't have money. Anyway. Yeah. And for Americans to stick their, uh, these networks to keep the footage on them dragging her body around Europe when kids in Jackson, Mississippi don't have water. People don't have water. Like, have you, did you see that? Mm-hmm. Did you see the brown water coming out in Jackson, yes. Mississippi and how the governor was like, I'm sorry, we gave out all the water bottles. There's no more left. But we're going to watch these people over there drag her around. We're going to find out in the next 10 years the the systemic racism of water and how it is affecting, like, seriously, people of color and poor, poor people. Because it's not just people of color. P- poor people, which includes white people in America, they're going to find out their water ain't no good. You know, Miss, M- Michigan was just the first or one of, and now Mississippi. And then we saw how in New York they had cyanide or whatever. Was it cyanide? It was uh, some kind of... Lead, it was some, some in the water. Of- and then they said it wasn't in the water. And then Mayor Adams did the hacky thing. He drank water to prove it was okay to drink because he drank it. I was waiting for him to pass out just to go, okay. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, but they're going to like say stupid stuff like that. But 
Mayor Adams is never going to get up there and talk about how they took $11 million from the public school system and gave it to the NYPD. You're not going to see him talk about that. But that happened. And he totally co-signed on to that. So TB says the way they treated Diana all those years ago was when I was over any respect um, I might have had for those so-called royals. She was so lovely in her trying to help people and how that government stole the money for the that stadium instead of fixing things that needed fixing. Now, we do have to get out, but I won't. I, this article, I can't. Do you guys have at least like five more minutes? Sure. I got five minutes. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about quiet quitting because this is something that's been trending that I don't know about you, but you know, people are hurting and then people are hurting and not doing work. So they're quiet quitting. The concept of quiet quitting, do you guys know what it is? Yeah. So quiet so, quitting. Go ahead, Vlad. What do you It makes me laugh though. It makes me <laughs> laugh. Do you know what it is, Vlad? I have no idea what it is. I'm trying <laughs> to figure it out right now. Like quiet quitting. Well, my understanding is that quiet quitting is when you just kind of like divest from your job of trying to move up and you just do the bare minimum. You just do the bare minimum at your job and that is it as you kind of like step away. Which I have seen across America because I have been on the road and I'm like seeing <laughs> these people. In the hotel that I stayed with, I swear to God, I asked for a city view. I paid for a city view. I get to the hotel. Mm -hmm. I get to my room. It's been upgraded. They're like, thank you, Miss Franklin, for being a gold member. Your room has been upgraded. I get to the room. I'm looking at a wall a literal brick wall. I'm like, where is the city view? So I called down and she's like, I'm the only person here. There's not a lot of people. We've we're understaffed. So so what it what? What does that mean? That means you're quiet quitting. You don't want to show me the you know how you could go to a hotel and go, can you show me the other rooms because this is not suitable. She was quiet quitting. She was like, I don't feel like coming up there yeah. and showing you the other rooms. And I knew this because I said, I'll wait till you're ready. <laughs> and she's like, oh, she, you, you gave her no I gave out. her no out. And she was like, oh, okay. So then she came up, took me to a higher floor, which I had already requested, which wasn't done. Took me to a room, another room to show me that my window was facing a parking garage. I go, that's also not a city view. <laughs> and then she does... I'm like, it's that part of the city. <laughs> she goes, I don't know why they, and she was a sister too. And I was like, sister, you ain't looking out. And then she goes, well, may, she does this fake act out of like, there may be another room. Takes me to the oh, other please. room. And guess what? A city view. I go, this is it. She goes, oh, okay, you're happy with this? I go, yeah. She goes, again, I don't know why they put it on there. That is a city view. I go, because there's actually a city view. Yeah, I worked at a hotel when I was uh, like 19, 20 years old. They know every single room that's available at every moment. That's, that's their whole job. That's all you're there to do is to know what's taken up and what's not. And they know. She did this fake knock on the door like someone was going to be like, oh my God, I'm still in here. <laughs> Quiet quitting. Or what quiet, you know what quiet quitting is? The minute I read the term quiet quitting and what it really meant, I was like, oh, this is how assholes break up with people. You just stop showing up for your girlfriend. You just, you know, you start arguments. You just be a dick until she breaks up with you. <laughs> like, that's just all quiet quitting is to me. Like, you just be a jerk so the person can't take it anymore and fires you as their boyfriend. That's, that's a strategy. <laughs> yeah, it is a, it is a and strategy. It it's a strategy, isn't it? Look, if you don't want to be with me, you know what I mean? Like, yes! You're barely here! Yes. 
<laughs> so many people have commented on quiet quitting since it took the internet by storm. While some people agree with the concept and believe that it is a good way to protect your mental health and well-being, others believe that it could put extra burden on coworkers and doesn't serve what workers really want. So I've had some assistance. My assistant now is very good, but I've had some in the past where I I, I notice this is a generational thing too, that where I'm like, oh, they are coming out of this pandemic and they're like, I don't, I don't have to do that. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? They're like, mm, no, um, my hours shut down at this time. And, and I don't even ask for that much. And I'll, I'll be like, oh, okay. And I was, I will respect it. But I had never seen that from my assistants previous to the ones I had. I was like, what is going on? Where they would just be like, I'm not available right now from this hour to this hour. And I was like, that's new. I never seen that. I used to have, I used to get interns that were like, I'm so excited to work with you. And I'm so, so excited to be involved. And now they're like, you know what? Fuck excitement. Sorry. <laughs> but I need, I need my life and I'm here for you, but I've got a limit to that. And it's, and I, I respect that too, by the way. I respect people telling you, respect my time. I think that is necessary, but. Go ahead, Vlad. You look. You haven't said anything in a while. What's, what's no, no, your no, no, thoughts? no, 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 no. Just it's, just it's just a fascinating phenomenon. This quiet quitting. It's a fascinating phenomenon. <laughs> it's just fascinating. Well, quiet quitting meets quiet firing. In September 2022, 91% of 1,000 <laughs> managers surveyed reported taking action against quiet quitters or firing them. ResumeBuilder.com reported one in three of the surveyed managers reported firing quiet quitters. 75% described firing quiet quitters as justifiable. Managers who didn't outright fire quiet quitters took other actions. 27% of them denied raises. To quiet quitters, uh, 23% denied promotions to quiet. It's like, all right, you ain't going to do the work. Well, you ain't getting this right. You ain't getting this money. Right, right. Uh, okay. Sounds like common sense to me. And some of them were even demoted. 13% demoted quiet quitters and 12% denied quiet quitters paid time off, which I have heard stories of people who are like, I've heard, I've, I've heard of employees or who own companies saying that they've had people go just start, just get hired and then ask for vacation time. Well, you know, I, I get it. I think it's part pandemic, but I, I'm sorry. I got to say it. I think so much of this is how we raise children. I really do. And I, as a mom of two kids, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I really am. I see people saying, you know, oh, I asked my daughter the other day and she's 15. I need you to go to the store. I need you to get three potatoes and a, two things of squash. I forgot. That doesn't really work for me. What? You see my look? <laughs> I know. I was like, girl, if you don't throw some pants on and get some sneakers, like, and the supermarket is right downstairs. But I constantly see this, like me and my other mom friends will be talking about how we'll ask our kids to do something. And they'll say things like, but that doesn't work with the schedule I have today. Or I just feel like you're not really hearing my voice and this should be more of a negotiation. If you get the... I just like the idea of put some pants on. Like, like that to me is just so... It's such a, it's such a visceral, emotional thing to say. Go, go put some pants on. <laughs> just go put some pants on. Well, <laughs> the, pandemic really, the pandemic really did interrupt these kids' lives. Like uh -huh. it did. And now half these children, if you are under 25, you live in pajamas. Like you live... 
in pajamas. They went to home, the remote school, everything. So when they come home, they just get straight into pajamas. I'm like, it is light outside. Like, why are y'all in pajamas? Well, I'm home and I just feel like self-care is really important. I feel like self-care is really important. You don't do anything to care about. Like, you have nothing to bring you back from. Or I'll, you know, I yell at them and they'll say things like, that's really triggering. Triggering to what? Nothing has ever happened to you. (laughs) I have protected you and your little vagina your whole life. Nothing is, don't talk about triggers when nothing has happened. So this younger generation, they're operating from this idea of self-care and triggers and things that have to happen for you when they haven't done shit. And so I feel like it gets worse and worse. I really believe that. And I, Keith and I have been talking about how we need to change things. Because I, yeah, I can't. I'm sorry. Who, who's, I'm who, who's, Keith, who's Keith? Her husband. Keith is my husband. And we are like, we were like, well, we're allowed to tell our parents that going to the store didn't work for you? Like, what? I mean, I, you know, I just, um, this, is where, this is where history comes into play, right? Like, and I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of being entitled. We all are. You know, you once in a while you want some Grubhub, whatever it is. You know, um, but uh, but this is this is where history comes in. Like you know, you learn about people like Frederick Douglass, and you learn about these people. I think having that that education to, gives you context for right now. Like, man, I'm really bugging out. Like, you know, Harriet Harriet did what? What did she do? I'm over here complaining about this. Like, <laughs> it's that. It's that context, man. You have to have some kind of you have to have some kind of history, some kind of understanding of, of how we got to here. Got hit in the head with a skillet, an iron skillet, and she was still rescuing and transporting slaves on the Underground Railroad. She didn't say she had a bad day. She didn't. Meanwhile, my daughter doesn't want to walk to subway stops. My daughter doesn't want to walk because she feels like being cold makes her feel. And she has and she has Google Maps. (laughs) She has directions. (laughs) She has Google Maps. Well, I got news for all these quiet quitters. There is quiet firing. And the inflation, (laughs) the way the market is going, they're saying that the quiet quitting was possible because you know, they were looking for employees. A lot of people weren't getting people to work. They were really struggling. You could see where when I go on the road, I see like we need hires. They're really having a tough time. Go ahead, Vlad. I'll, I'll bring my point home, and not to cut you off, Marina. But you were sharing a story about the you were sharing a story about the hotel, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what I mean about having a sense of history. I respect what you did at the hotel because if you think back to the artists that we came out of, Red Fox, Moms Mainly, they couldn't stay at hotels. They would stay at bus stations. So, if, but once you know that, once you know that, you look at the hotel like, "Yo, I'm so blessed to be here, man." Like sometimes cats make fun of me because I, I, I I'll stay at a hotel for a local gig. You know, to an hour and a half away. You're not gonna drive back? Nah, nah, brother. I, I, I know, I know comics that I that I've read about that they would, they, they couldn't stay at hotels. So you, you damn sure I'm gonna ask for the city view. <laughs> you for That's damn right. sure I'm actually the goddamn city view. Yeah, you deserve it. You deserve it. It's city depressing view. to look at a brick wall, and I've got to do like this gig. I'm, I, I'm in Michigan, with, and you're gonna have me look at. I go, sister. I wanted to break it down. I go, do you know what I have to do this weekend? <laughs> you know, so I mean, Marina, Marina, you know how hard it is. It's hard enough as it is to walk into a, a distant land and do comedy for a bunch of people you do not know. And think about doing that while staying at a bus station the night before. You couldn't take a shower. You couldn't get no continental breakfast. You couldn't organize your material with your laptop out and figure out what you're going to do that night. Couldn't go to the bathroom. Couldn't go to the bathroom. And now you got to play. Uh, uh, if you were, you were a jazz artist at the time, now you got to play a whole show for these people. Absolutely. This is this is this is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm staying. I'm staying all up in the hotel. I'm all up in there. <laughs> I'm all up in the hotel. 
I'm all I'm all up in there. I'm all up in there. <laughs> Listen, there's a certain amount of privilege you have to have to also quiet quit. People of color don't have that as an option to quiet quit. So when you're when you are in your young whiteness and you are quiet quitting, you also need to look at your history and understand what Vlad just said. You also need to understand that there is a demographic of people who don't have that as an option. Mm. They have to make that money. So check yourself. <laughs> before you wreck yourself. <laughs> All right. So let's come to a close. You guys, this was a really, thank you so much, both of you for being here today. You both are so awesome. It's effortless talking to both of you. Thank you, TV and Stace for being backstage. I'm going to start with you, Holly. Let our listeners know where they can find you. Okay. You can find me um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's Holly Harper 5. That's Holly, H-O-L-L-I-E. And Harper, like Harper's Bazaar and the number five. And then, you know, whatever, in the book face, Facebook, just Holly Harper. And with friends like us, you are always going to get some good conversation. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Always. Yes. Always. Vladimir. I just gave uh, I just gave Holly a follow. I'm laughing at the photo you put an hour ago. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to follow you too. I'm going to follow back. People can catch me um, at Laughing Vlad. My name is, my name is Vladimir. I know that's a bit of an oddity for some people. And um. It's Laughing Vlad, L-A-U-G-H-I-N-G-V-L-A-D. That's on Instagram. That's on TikTok. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, you know, social media for me. Is, it is what it is. We have to do it. That's <laughs> what it is. But you can find me there. And then my website info, my dates are all on the on the link tree from from the the bio. And um, okay. uh, with friends, what is it with friends like with friends like us? And you could just tag it with anything, right? Mm-hmm. I always, I always have, I've always had a tough time with instructions. I was that student in class that I would have to teach to repeat <laughs> what the hell was being said. I have a tough time with it, and I do it every week. I, I would drag the class back four hours. Wait, wait a minute, hold on. Wait, what? <laughs> hold on for a second. Because um, uh, with friends like us, um, you get reminded that you're not alone. Yes. That is true. I've heard that from a lot of our audience. So thank you for reminding them of that. Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com to find out where I am traveling, where I'm on the road. And uh, with friends like us, you can all be a queen. Yeah, I like that. There's queens in your lives. You can be a queen if you want to. My niece wears a crown every day in school. Mm -hmm. For real. My niece is like, my niece is like, it's my birthday. And she's four. <laughs> and she's like, Aww. she's like, I dare you to take this crown from me. <laughs> they cannot take the crown from her. So you can be a queen. You That's can hilarious. all be a queen. Vlad, you could be a queen. Oh, absolutely. I, no, I got I got my grandmother. I got my grandmother all up in me. Yeah. I got my grandmother. Ain't, ain't no ain't no doubt about it. There's no question. There's no question. Check, Check us, us out. out. <laughs>